Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Hill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams and this is episode number 18 of Red Pill Revolution and I appreciate you listening in so much. It is a crazy time to be alive in the world. It is uh, more chaos going on than I can ever recall, obviously within the last three years, but even more so talking about the war in Ukraine. And we're going to dive deeper into that. I think we've we've held off long enough with the last couple of weeks. We had a few other episodes that did not completely touch on these topics. So I'm excited to kind of dive further into it. It's been something that I've been really interested. I've gotten some really interesting feedback on the Instagram page. I've been asking people questions because what I found from the very beginning of this is that people have mixed emotions about this and they really don't know who the bad guy is, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's Putin, whether it's NATO, whether it's Joe Biden. So it's a really interesting question and a really interesting time to be in in a community like this with you guys, because I don't exactly know the right answer at this point. Of, of who is in the right and who is in the wrong. And I think a lot of people have commented and said, you know, it's, it's even a little bit more complicated than just that. So what we're going to touch on today, I'm going to dive into a little briefly before we even go into anything here, let's go ahead and talk about some of those questions that I posed within the Instagram itself. So a few of the questions that I've talked about here this week ranged anything from, do you believe that Joe Biden and his presidency had any contribution to this war breaking out. And what I found from that is the overwhelming answer on that question was yes. When I asked that question, 932 people answered yes. And the question exactly was proposed, do you believe Biden's Biden's diplomacy approach contributed to this war? The percentage ended up being 91% to 9%. 932 people voting Yes, his diplomacy did contribute to this war, and only 96 people, less than 10%, voting that it did not. Now, I understand there's probably a bias on my page for people who believe that Biden has some part in in all of this or in the the political uh, positions we find ourselves in. So take that into consideration, too. But that makes even more so some of the questions that come up later that much more interesting to me. So when I asked the next question... And the next question was, would Putin have invaded if Trump was president? The answers were 94% no and 6% yes. And then the, the very last question, and the one that was the most interesting to me, the way that I posed it was this. I've been seeing mixed beliefs on who people believe the bad guy is here. 
chime in. Is Putin justified in his invasion of Ukraine? And I'll tell you what the percentages were and how many people voted and what the answer was right after this. So, you know the drill, you know the deal. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you're listening right now with me. If you've already done it, I appreciate you so much. If you're already a dedicated subscribed follower, I appreciate it so much. But if you're not, go ahead and join this community right now. All you have to do is press that little button on your screen, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Audible, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, literally anywhere, <laughs> anywhere that you are right now, there's a little button on that screen that you could tap and it wouldn't take any effort on your part. And it would mean the world to me. And I would appreciate it. And again, you can get some good karma. Just press that button right now. Tap that subscribe button. And if you've already done that and you're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, go ahead and press that five-star review for me. That helps with the analytics. That helps more of the world wake up to these facts and wake up to not even just the facts, but the questions. I think the questions are sometimes just as important as the answers is asking it in the first place. And uh, I think we'll see that today. In, in this situation, there's been more questions than answers in this war. So um, go ahead and hit that five-star review button. If you think I only deserve less than five stars, go ahead and message me. Let me know why. And then I'll try to improve the show for you. It doesn't mean you have to hit the four stars or below. So continue hitting that five stars for me. I appreciate it so much. It means the world to me. And uh, last but not least, go ahead and subscribe to the Substack. Every single week, we put a podcast companion out, which includes all the videos, all the episodes, uh, video and audio. It includes all the links, articles, documents from this week's show, including all of the misinformation, we'll use that word and I hope to find one better, (laughs) all the wrong shit, how about that, that's been coming out, all this propaganda that's been coming out of this world. Um, And I'll include some of the, the stories that were told and then some of the people that are proving those people wrong. So go ahead and subscribe to the Substack, redpillrevolution.substack.com, redpillrevolution.substack.com. It's free to subscribe. If you'd like to become a paid subscriber, it's just $7. It's one way you can support the podcast, support my channel, and support myself. I would appreciate it. It's like $1.75 a week. And if you appreciate the show, I would appreciate you subscribing there. It would mean a lot. All right. And the last thing that we'll talk about today is you can go directly to the link tree right now on our Instagram at Red Pill Revolt, or just go directly to the link tree, linktree.com slash redpillrevolt. And you'll see a few things on there that you can do. The first thing you can do is go ahead and support the podcast by leaving a tip. You tip your waitress for giving you good, uh, you know, bringing you your drinks. And uh, she doesn't have to sit here and talk to herself for an hour and a half entertaining you about geopolitical conversations. (laughs) So maybe it's worth a few dollars for you or even more, and you can leave a tip right there. And if you'd like to directly contribute to the show by uh, basically just um, finding some things that we needed to make this show better, you know, make this a better microphone, give better quality sound. I have a, you know, 2000 and... Uh, six or so <laughs> MacBook I'm working off of that takes the editing process about, you know, a few hours to do so more than it should. Um, lighting is $10 from Amazon right now. I could use some better things and I want to see some income coming in from this um, to justify do so. And if you want to just kind of skirt around that and make the show better, you can do so by going to the Amazon wish list right on that link tree. Um, and that's all I got. You know, right there, there's some microphone stuff. There's uh, lighting. There's a few things for the background. And we'll go from there. So thank you guys so much for considering it. I appreciate it so much. And without further ado, let's hit it. Let's go into this show. This week's show is the propaganda war that is happening today in the Ukraine versus Russia scandal. And more so the 
Russia versus NATO scandal. And we're going to talk about that too. I'm going to actually go into the full transcripts of Biden's um, conversation here where he talked about why he was doing these things. And it sounded much more like a declaration of conflict or war against the United States than it did any other country. He barely even mentioned Ukraine in there compared to that he mentioned the Western culture, the UN, the NATO, and the United States. So um, something really concerning to me as I sat there and read this to my wife as she was sitting here trying to make sense of all of this with me. Um, his, his conversation we will get to at the very end of this podcast, and I think it's a really interesting one to listen to. If you have not yet listened to Biden's speech on this, you absolutely need to listen to this because it sh- could completely shatter the entire viewpoint that you have on this war, um, who is in the right, who is in the wrong. And if nothing else, at least just take into consideration the other side of it. And from my perspective, maybe get prepared because the way that Putin made this speech was almost completely at the United States, which highly concerned me. So stick around towards the end for that. But the first thing we're going to talk about on the back of all that is the percentage of people who believed that Putin was either justified or not justified in his invasion of Ukraine. And it ended up being a 62% no, he is not justified. And a pretty large percentage, almost 40%, 38% of people believe that he is justified. And these are people from our community, right? And that's the craziest thing that you have to understand. And that, again, might come into play that people are more willing to question these narratives, especially because the narratives that we're getting today are the people who are pushing the same narratives as the COVID stuff. Right? So, so you have to question these things. You have to ask why. You cannot just gobble up the mainstream media's uh, opinions on these things because they all have vested interests, as we found out. And you have to learn this lesson. The mainstream media does not have your best interest in mind. They have the interest in minds of the people who fund them. And the people who fund them are the same people who fund these wars. So we have to ask these questions, and they're not easy questions to ask, especially when you're being riddled with all of these sad videos, all of these you know, horrific accounts of what is happening um, in Ukraine. And then you get all these you know, badass stories coming out of these soldiers in Ukraine, you know, that, that are you know, all these cool t- like folklore-type stories that are coming out of Ukraine like, right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about those in a minute. But I think the first one to get into is some of these stories that have come out about the Ukrainian president. You know, the Ukrainian president, (laughs) I've seen there was a Babylon Bee post that had this like radar where there was these two big blocks and it said, you know, Russian, Russian, uh, Russian machine can't use radar past the extremely large balls of Ukrainian president. (laughs) And it's true. They've come out with all these cool stories about all the cool shit that he's said, you know, anything from, um, you know, allegedly, uh, Biden was going through, uh, going to send special forces units to Ukraine to extract the Ukrainian president. And instead of saying that, you know, yeah, I'll take, take you up on that. He says, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. That's a badass statement. No, no way. You just come up with that on the spot. So that to me, was like, okay, you know, all these people are kind of eating up these cool, cool things from the Ukrainian president, from the pictures of him in the trenches to the videos of him standing, just like we're going to see here, where he says, and I'll go ahead and read it for you. Good evening to you all. He's standing with like this, you know, paparazzi of badass looking big, older Ukrainian 
parliament guys <laughs> who are very serious. And so he says, good evening to all of you. The head of government is here. The head of the president's office is here. Prime Minister Shaimlahal is here. Advisor Poljak is here. The president is here. We are all here. Our soldiers are here. Our citizens are here. We all are here defending our independence and our country, and it will stay that way. Glory to the men and women defending us. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to the heroes. Okay? And meanwhile, if you actually listen to this video, this is kind of the propaganda machine that's coming out. Listen to what's in the background of this. Leader President Premier Minister Literally a fucking Dr. Dre instrumental <laughs> on the back of this, this, you know, obviously this probably wasn't directly from them where that Dr. Dre instrumental was on there, but that's the way that people are viewing these things, right? Is they're like hyping this guy up and, and hyping up the propaganda coming out of Ukraine. And so the next one that came up um, was this video, same here, let's go ahead and check it out. In this video, here he is again, speaking in front of a, a Capitol building, alone, alone, in the broad daylight, with what looks to be a cell phone in his hand. And I'll read you this one. And the translation comes as this. So basically what he's doing in this video is saying, do not believe the fakes. He's saying that the misinformation is being spread and that he is still here and is not leaving. He's going to defend Ukraine. And he's doing all of this in front of a parliament building in broad daylight with what appears to be a cell phone in his hand. And if we're in the middle of war, do you believe that our president is going to be standing in front of a Capitol building in broad daylight with a cell phone in his hand without any military around him defending him? It, it just seems weird to me. And so all these little questions started popping up in my head. Then, you know, the, the Ukrainian um, warship, right? The, uh, if you didn't see this, there was a warship that was basically or a, a, an island, Snake Island, that was surrounded by Russian forces. And they said, we have you surrounded. This was a Russian warship speaking to the Ukrainian island. We have you surrounded. You will not escape, whatever they were saying. And then they said, uh, please surrender. And the island, the people that were on the island came back on and said, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. And that was the statement. <laughs> so um, pretty, pretty bold. Pretty crazy stuff coming out of this conflict. And so, cool stories, right? The next one that caught my eye was this video. This father, who was uh, allegedly just sobbing, and this was from TMZ directly on the 25th, just a couple days ago. And it's this father just sitting there with his daughter in a soul-crushing video, soul-crushing video of his daughter and him, and he's crying to his daughter saying, you know, whatever he's saying, it looks to be being, I'm leaving, I'm going to defend my country, whatever this is. And he's just crying so much with his daughter. And we'll watch a quick clip of it. 
And I'll turn the sound off because it just sounds terrible and you won't be able to hear it anyways. But apparently this is a Ukrainian father putting the hat on his daughter. He kisses, he, he sits down on one knee, kisses her on the cheek. He grabs her hand as he get, begins to break down and put his head on her chest and begins to sob. And as he does that, his daughter begins to sob. And the mom comes down and appears to be the voice of reason. And they all hug each other while this man sobs and just cries and cries. And he sticks his hand on the window of the bus as his daughter sticks her hand on the window of the other side of the bus. And they say their last goodbyes before her father goes off to war, assumingly to die. But it was fake. It was full of shit. It wasn't a real video. It was from a, a different event years before. And it was all fake. And this got me. It definitely got me. I was like so sad for this man. And I ate the shit up for the first couple days until people started to comment. And, and then I started to look at it from another viewpoint. And then I read Putin's transcript of his speech. And it all started to piece together a little bit. And so this was proven to be fake. And so over and over and over again, we've seen an article come out that's a sob story and it's fake. And then this badass story comes out, like the story of go fuck yourself, Russian warship, about they died in this last ditch effort against the Russian warship. And apparently those guys are still alive. And the next came out that there was this ghost of Kiev which was an, a, a Ukrainian MIG-29 pilot credited with six kills. And if you don't know anything about um, like military air warfare, five kills in a career makes you an ace. And six kills in a single day makes you a motherfucking badass pilot. Like one of the greats go down in history, Red Baron type stuff to put down six fighter jets, especially in today's modern military world. And so footage starts circulating of this guy shooting down these Russian war jets and, and them falling from the skies like bricks. And so the ghost of Kiev is the name of this fighter jet pilot. And apparently all the footage, these millions and millions of views, all this footage that we're looking at right here, apparently it was all fake. <laughs> It wasn't real. The ghost of Kiev, the, the story has not been confirmed. These videos were pulled from a video game. A literal video game is where these, these video clips were pulled from that allegedly show this ghost of Kiev shooting down six other fighter jets. And it was all fake. Okay? Interesting. So here's, here's an article on that. It says, video game footage falsely presented as videos of Ukraine war. Footage from video games have been misattributed as real footage of the war in Ukraine, with social networks beginning to ramp up attempts to stop it spreading. Some footage appears to have been pur purposely doctored to represent news coverage, leading, misleading viewers about the true status of the war. Other footage seems to be being used simply as a means of receiving engagement on social media. Even if unintentional, the harmful after effect of this kind of post is in where it is shared without context afterwards spreading misinformation in its own way. Per Bloomberg, Dr. Gamepay of realistic military game Arma 3 has reportedly been used as hoax news footage of combat in Ukraine. On Facebook and Twitter, these videos were pulled down, albeit after thousands of viewers had watched them. Geopolitical and security analyst Michael Horowitz 
posted and then removed a separate video of what occurred to be or what looked to be a fighter jet um, in a dogfight, but seemingly been revealed to be altered footage of flight combat simulator DCS World. At time of writing, the footage remains live on the official Twitter feed account of the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense. So they're still pushing it, even though people know it's a fun, it's a video game, and they're still trying to, to to use this. So, it says game footage is only one part of the current misinformation puzzle, with clips of previous conflicts, military training exercises, and more gaining traction on numerous social media platforms. Facebook owner Meta has subsequently announced the creation of a special operations center to combat misinformation alongside hate speech and added privacy protections for Ukrainian users. Apparently not for Russians. <laughs> As for all, with all situations, use your, um, in your own use of social media, approach videos like these with a dose of skepticism. Okay, interesting. So, all of this shit's fake. All of these things, all of this, you know, misinformation bullshit that's been coming out about this war has, has been proven false. Almost, literally almost every other video that I've seen and had people hyping up the Ukrainian videos of the president, which I don't know if those are fake, but they seem very, very theatrical, right? If you can throw a, a, a Dr. Dre instrumental on the back of any president's speech, it's probably a bit theatrical. So it's interesting to see where, where do we go from here and how do we decide who's right in this? And we have to go back and look at history and we have to go back and look at what the reality of the situation is, where it started, how it started, and look at it from both lenses. We can't just look at it from what the mainstream media is trying to tell us to see it as. We have to gain our own opinion. And I thank my audience on Instagram for, for opening my eyes to that because the first few couple days of this, I, I didn't really see it as anything other than you know, a, a, a possible invasion from Putin as a land grab, which is all the mainstream media wants you to see it as. They don't want you to ask the question of why or this neo-Nazi thing. And, you know, the second that Biden says anything's a conspiracy theory, it's probably time to dive deeper into it, right? So let's go ahead and shatter some of this reality. And the first way we're going to do that is by learning a little bit more about the Ukrainian president. Let's go ahead and watch this video. Crazy story. The current president of Ukraine is actually an actor-producer who created a television show for himself to star in where he starred as the president of Ukraine. And then years later ran for president and won. This show started a year after the revolution in Ukraine of 2014. And here's the story. Prior to his acting career, Zelensky obtained a degree in law at the Kiev National Economic University. He then pursued comedy and created the production company Kvartal 95, which produces films, cartoons, and TV shows, including Servant of the People, in which Zelensky played the role of the president of Ukraine. The series aired from 2015 to 2019 and was immensely popular. A political party bearing the same name as the television show was created in March 2000. 2018 by employees of Kvartel 95, which remember is his production company. He then announced his candidacy in 2019, a political outsider. He'd already become one of the front runners in opinion polls for the election. He won the election with 73.2% of the vote, identifying as a populist, positioned himself as an anti-establishment, anti-corruption figure. Share this in your story if you think it's interesting. So the president of Ukraine the same president who was put into power under the coup that happened during the Obama and Biden administration, where they overthrew the prior organization, which held power, because it was not 
very UE friendly, they put this president into power who was not only an actor, but an actor who created his own reality show where he starred in it as an everyday man who then became president. Interesting, somewhat sociopathic, but then within a couple years of that show coming out, he actually becomes president. Just dropping seeds for you of what's going to happen to normalize the idea of what's going to happen. Interesting. And not only that, but the same party that he created in his head, the same name of the party, was the same party that he ran under. He didn't even follow any normal guidelines of what, what party he belonged to. He belonged to his own party from his own reality show. And prior to this, and during all of this, he was a comedian. A literal actor, actor, drama, writing comedian who wrote himself in as the president of Ukraine. Just an everyday guy. Became the president of Ukraine. And that's who we're dealing with now. So when you see all these videos of him standing around with his, you know, Ukrainian paparazzi. Acting all tough with his military gear on. Maybe you should act yourse ask yourself, is this real or is this acting? Is this in the moment or is this theatrics, right? And that's not to say that, you know, what's going on is directly a, a black and white issue and we can point to one person as being wrong in this. I don't think that's the case. But we should question these videos and question the authenticity of them and question the purpose of them, right? Obviously, he wants to bolster his army and he wants to bolster his people. And maybe you make badass, cool videos with cool one-off, one-liner statements. But if you're a comedian who wrote yourself basically into a reality show and then became president as a result of a coup that happened during the Biden administration and the Obama administration several years prior, maybe when you're putting out those videos, we should ask a few questions first. So, all of this BS. All of this BS. We can't point to barely any of these situations, that any of these videos that are coming out, it's very, very difficult to sift through. Anything, any, every other video that you're seeing uh, through this Ukrainian situation that's getting mass circulated right now is a high likelihood that it's either propaganda, it's either fake, or it's from a video game. Or it's at the very least theatrics with intent. Right? So now let's dive deeper into what the actual reality is of this situation and why we got to this point. Because the idea from both narratives, so let's look at one side of it, and then we'll look at the other side of it. Now, again, I've only had so much time to research this, so bear with me. I'm going to give you a high-level overview of what both perspectives are. Seemingly, the perspective of the West is trying to portray the idea, so Biden, in all of his speeches, has tried to portray Vladimir Putin as trying to basically take over Ukraine as a land and a power grab. And in his own words, Biden said that Vladimir Putin was trying to restore what was once the great USSR in Soviet Russia, in Soviet Union. Okay, so that's the idea from the West is that they're going after this land and money grab. And it's all about power. And it's all about reestablishing the USSR. And he's going to do that by starting with Ukraine. 
and then moving into other countries as a result. Because according to Biden, this is not just about Ukraine. This is about restoring Soviet Union. Okay. Now, Biden comes out and says that Putin wanted two things. He wanted to make sure that Ukraine was not going to be a part of NATO. And he also wanted to maintain that there would not be strategically placed weaponry by NATO on the border or around inside of Ukraine. Because eventually, Putin believes, that that will pose an issue for Russia down the road. So think of it like this. If Russia somehow invaded or was or, or even was best friends with Canada and then started putting missiles and nuclear plants and nuclear capable missiles around the border of Canada right alongside the US border how do you think the US people would feel about that and how do you think our president would feel about that. And how do you think our military would feel about that? Probably not very good, right? Keep your enemies at least at arm's length, right? You don't want them sleeping in the bed next to you, right? So in this situation, Russia said, and this was still, again, this is from the Western viewpoint, that the reason that Russia is escalating tensions is because they do not want Ukraine becoming part of NATO, which is a part of it. And they also don't want Ukraine allowing weaponry from NATO to be put along their border. Okay? So, that is part of the mainstream narrative that is being pushed. All right? Now, the Russia situation and why Russia says it's going into Ukraine is a much deeper reason. And we're going to find that out when we read the full transcripts of Vladimir Putin's speech on this. But the overall overall point of it was that there was embedded in these countries and in Ukraine after World War II, there has been seeds of the Nazi Germany neo-Nazism that has been spreading itself in Ukraine and even goes as far to believe that that neo-Nazism is being supported by the West and was put into power again through these groups that were funded by NATO. These separatists, right? These Ukrainian um, people that eventually through through overthrew the government and started the coup and eventually put this Volensky, the Volensky guy into power. So it is also interesting to note that the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, is also a part of the World Economic Forum. Who would have thought? And if you don't know about the World Economic Forum, it means you didn't listen to our last episode. And you should go do so after this episode, where we discuss Klaus Schwab, the world's one of the world's most powerful men and richest men, who runs the World Economic Forum, who started this Young Global Leader Society, which includes people like Justin Trudeau, people like Volensky, people like even Tulsi Gabbard, some people said. I have yet to read that, but apparently Tulsi Gabbard, according to some people, was a part of the World Economic Forum. Interesting to me, because I have, at this, up until some points of this, have looked at her as one of her supporters and a lot of the things she says. But even people like Leonardo DiCaprio, Bono, the president of France, all of these very, very powerful people, Bill Gates, Google founder, all of these people, Jack Ma, 
from Alibaba? The list goes on and on and on and on and on of all these powerful billionaires. And Zelensky, this basically Ukrainian version of Michael Scott from The Office, somehow is a part of the World Economic Forum and is now in a position of power during all of this within the same time frame that Joe Biden's in office and this matching up time of Putin invading. So, and it's right on the, the website of the World Economic Forum that Zelensky is a part of this. So interesting, interesting stuff. And we're going to dive deeper into the reasons that Vladimir Putin says that he's invading the United States, because it goes even deeper than that, where he actually mentions the deep state, mentions the crumbling societal structures of the United States, specifically seeming to mention, you know, certain things like the genderless norms and gender pronouns, silly wokeness that's going on in our society that he believes is starting to infect his society, which he believes could then lead to their downfall, which is another thing that he says. But before we do that, the next thing we're going to do is talk about this. And you guessed it. I need to just subscribe. First, first third of that was a stutter. Um, I need you to subscribe. Press that subscribe button for me. It's a little button on your screen. Starts with a s, ends with a nubscribe. And you just got to press it. And I'll ask you again next time, but at least you won't feel so bad in your deep depth of your soul, knowing that you could so easily press that button right now on your screen. And also know that you didn't do it. Know that you could support somebody who believes these things just like you do, or doesn't believe them just like you do, or at least at the very least questions them like you do, I hope. And know that you supported that person in the little way that you had to without even spending any money by pressing that subscribe button right now. And I know that you did it, and I thank you so much. And if you've already done it, five-star review. We already talked about that. And if you've already done that, redpillrevolution.substack.com. And if you've already done that, I want you to go ahead over to the link tree, linktree.com slash revolt, And I want you to check that out and just go, go click that Amazon shopping list. See there's some few things on there that might help the show out. And if you so happen to press the add to cart button and it shows up at my house. And next time you listen to this, my voice is so much clearer and that much more beautiful. Or my face is that much more lit up. As a result, and you can feel it in your soul that you helped out the show, or just go ahead and leave a tip. There's a little support this page or channel spot on there where you can leave a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars, hundred dollars, thousand dollars, whatever this means to you. You can do that right there. And I appreciate it so much. Eventually, this is going to be monetized. And instead of hearing me talk about these things, we're going to talk about other things. And maybe we don't even need to get to that point where there's ads and stuff. And we can do that by supporting me, supporting this podcast. I spend a very, very large amount of time putting this together for you, doing these things, putting out the reels, editing that podcast, putting it out, doing the sub stack, all of that stuff. And I would appreciate it if you appreciate it and show me that appreciation by appreciating it in some form financially, whether that's signing up for that sub stack, leaving a tip, sending something over here that will help the show look better, sound better, whatever that is. So again, thank you so much for considering that. All right. Now, the next thing we're going to do, next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to go through. So there's been somebody who's been pretty on this topic and somebody who's been waking a lot of people up to this. And if you don't follow DC Drano, DC underscore Drano on Instagram, you probably should, especially during this time with everything that's going on. He has a great story that's saved in his timeline right now. It's uh, under his highlights that says Ukraine truth. All right. And I'm going to go ahead and read you through all of this. The first thing we see 
is the Ukrainian president sitting there with devil horns like this with these men behind him looking like a true Satanist, which would fit right in in the World Economic Forum. Then right after that, we see him speaking at the World Economic Forum. After that, it says they impeach President Trump after a single phone call with this guy asking about Biden corruption specifically. So if you recall, the Ukraine call that happened, he was calling Donald Trump was calling this president to ask him specifically to look into the Burisma corruption. The fact that there are four main individuals like John Kerry, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Bi Hunter Biden, and like the, one of these children of four main people are all a part of these energy company boards in Ukraine. And so there's definitely, definitely something shady going on in Ukraine. And it seems to be the money laundering place, and, and at least where they make these shady deals enough to get their children to make billions and at least 10% back, as if you recall from those emails, to the big guy, the big guy being Joe Biden. So they impeached President Trump after a single phone call with this guy asking about Biden corruption. Then goes on to say, all Zelensky had to do was tell the truth about the Biden corruption. He would have saved his country and been a hero forever. If the left hadn't impeached Trump over that phone call, Zelensky would have probably helped root out the rabid Biden-linked corruption. Trump would still be president. No invasion of Ukraine would have happened. And Zelensky wouldn't be running and neither would his family. It also says, sorry, not sorry, but I won't pr promote or propagandize a man on the other end of a phone call with President Trump that got him impeached. What was his role? Now, I don't agree with that completely because just over that one singular thing doesn't mean that we shouldn't support him in this war. But Rahim Kassam, at Rahim Kassam, said, I remain bemused at the fact that almost everyone who has railed against establishment talking points and propaganda for the past decade or so is now in full agreement with the establishment narrative on Europe, posting the flags, retweeting their tales, and essentially singing from the Haim streets as the Kissingers, the Johnsons, and the Bidens of the world. War is hell. We must stop glorifying it in the name of globalist institutions, or we've learned nothing. And I think this is interesting coming off of the last two years, and I think we're going to see that when we have that large, almost 40% of people who are on the page saying that, I don't know, I don't believe he's justified in this, or I do believe he's justified in this, is what they said. 40% of people are questioning the mainstream narrative on this war and believing that Ukraine played a part in this, or at the very least that Putin's justified in doing so. So we have to we have to begin to look at it all from that lens. If we can't just accept what they're saying to us, these are the same companies. It's CNN, it's TMZ, it's it's MSNBC, it's Fox, it's all of these mainstream organizations now that are pushing this narrative. So if we've questioned it with COVID and questioned their intentions, it's the same people writing the damn scripts, guys. It's the same exact people that were writing the COVID script, that were putting the death counter up there because it helped their views, that were pushing, brought to you by Pfizer, right? It's the same people. We can't forget that just because it's wartime and just because everything's a little bit more heightened and exciting, right? And exciting isn't, isn't the, the, probably the best term to use, but that's what it seems like all over social media. This is all you see right now. Right? It's a crazy situation. We've never, literally, in our entire lives, my entire life, we since, since the 40s, we have not seen an invasion in a country that's a part of the UE. And I guess they're not a part of the UE. It's, it's their own sovereign nation. 
But we have not seen a war in this escalation manner since World War II. We have not seen a legitimate combat like this. And maybe just because we've been so far removed from what's been happening in Afghanistan. And maybe because we've been so glorified in the way that we, we, we perceive our government and our military action across the world that that happens. But this seems, this seems to be more than what's happened in the past that I can recall. I've never felt this way about a war. And I don't even know if we've had a legitimate war called in this way in the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years even. 70, 80 years, right? Since the 40s. So 60 years. 80 years. Oh my God. Wow, my math's horrible. Interesting, right? So... You have to ask why. You have to you have to question the narrative, and that's not to say that not, that, that Biden, what Putin is doing is right, but it is to say that what the mainstream media is telling you is probably wrong, and that you should question it yourself. And I was watching an hour presentation by some guy on YouTube talking about the history of Ukraine and Russia, and it was from eight years ago, and I thought that was a pretty good time to to, to listen to it because that was right around the time of the coup that was presented by the Biden Biden and Obama administration. So, question the narrative is what this says. The next one says, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. And that was from Liz Cheney, quoting Ukrainian President Zelensky. You know, the same woman who alongside Adam Kissinger are glorifying the same Ukrainian president that was a crucial part of Trump's impeachment, is what this goes on to say with here. Do the math. The next thing we find out is that the pictures of these propaganda... The pictures of the president in his military getup with his armored plates on his chest with a brash smile like he's ready to go to war is from 2021, before the war ever happened. So, just another clue. It also says, Oh, here's another picture. So all of these pictures that you're seeing, him in the trench, which is from a picture that I even posted, him speaking with these military advisors, were propaganda pictures from over a year ago. So all of these major pictures you've seen with him with the armored plates and a fucking military, uh, you know, helmet on and him walking through and strutting through these like trench-like areas, they're all fake. They're from before. They're propaganda pictures. Before the war ever happened. Makes you question if those videos were done before this war even happened. Right? Just sitting on the wayside waiting and speaking in broad daylight into his cell phone. Like, you know, Vladimir Putin's not sending military vehicles and, and airstrikes your way. So, it also goes on. Now, D.C. Drano seems to be a very partisan person in the way that he views politics because it's very Trump, Trump, Trump. And, and again, I have nothing against Donald Trump. But just I, I think to look at it from a clearer lens than that, I'll skip some of these that have that embedded in it. So Candace Owens went on to say, Never in a million years would I send my son or daughter to fight in Hunter Biden's war. This has nothing to do with democracy, patriotism, or international diplomacy. This, has, this was flat-out corporate greed. Sad to see and sad to hear President Zelensky lament about how NATO used him. How's everyone enjoying Hunter Biden's Burisma War? If you don't think America should be involved, you are a traitor and a Putin puppet, according to the general public. 
with laughing emojis, says Candace Owens. So there are some very mainstream narratives that are being pushed that are fighting back against this. And here's him talking about that fake video of that man and that daughter crying. And it was fake. More propaganda. Goes on to talk about the flight simulator simulators. And then more pictures of him sitting there with a gun, you know, with the mayor of Kiev sitting there with his big machine gun, ready to fire it. That's also from propaganda pictures from 2021. Now, did you know that Ukraine's elected government was overthrown in a revolution after an oil deal was made with Russia and replaced by a European-friendly government in 2014 under Obama and Biden. Did you know that Hunter Biden got his Burisma oil deal in the very same year that coup basically done by the Obama administration overthrew the government? Hmm. Do you know that Biden just sent $600 million of your money to Ukraine to fight this war. And that opens up a whole nother can of worms. Because if he sent $600 million to Ukraine for support, is all it said, what does that support mean? And where does that money go? Does it go to energy companies like Burisma? <gasps> no. No way. No way would there be this quid pro quo situation where they perceived this potential war happening a, a, a few years in the future, telling Zelensky, putting him in power, and then telling him, when we pull that switch, we're going to make you $600 million that you need to funnel back to these companies that we have put our children in power with. No, they would never do that. No way. But it does make you wonder, why was Hunter Biden put on the Burisma board the same year that the Ukrainian government was overthrown under the Obama administration. And then put these, according to Vladimir Putin, neo-Nazis in power. Hmm. Interesting. Do you see the deep state money laundering operation yet? Is what this finishes with. And that began to open my eyes. Right? Why was the Ukrainian government overthrown in 2014 under the Obama administration? Why, in the same year that they were overthrown, was Hunter Biden put on the board of Burisma in Ukraine? And why now are we sending $600 million of unstamped tax money over to Ukraine, a blank check that they can write to anybody, and then launder that money back to the corporations and their sons and their daughters who line the board members of these corporations? Interesting. goes on to say that we have a deep state in America. Ukraine is one of their money laundering playgrounds. No U.S. troops should be sent to die for this corrupt greed. Now, one of the most important ones that I read, and if this tells you nothing other than the fact that you should be raising more questions, is this is a tweet from George Soros. And I put this out there and somebody said to me, I had no idea George Soros even t could tweet. You know, his eyes are basically shut with all the rolls that sit on his eyelids. I, so this is George Soros's Twitter from 226 of 22. So yesterday. He said, I have witnessed Ukraine transform from a collapsing part of the Soviet Union to a liberal democracy and an open society. It has faced countless acts of Russian aggression, but has persisted. 
Brave Ukrainians are now on the front lines and risking their lives in an onslaught that reminds me of the siege of Budapest in 1944 and the siege of Sarajevo in 1993. It's important that both the Transatlantic Alliance, the United States, Canada, the European Union, and the United Kingdom, but also other nations, do whatever is in their power to support Ukraine in its time of existential threat. Putin's actions are a direct attack on the sovereignty of all states that were once in the Soviet Union and beyond. Russia is in clear violation of the United Nations Charter and should be held accountable. Allowing Putin to succeed on his quest will send a message across the world that nations can simply be created or dissolved by brute force. We must stand, hashtag, stand with Ukraine as they stand for us. So, any time that you're on the side of George Soros, you might be on the wrong side of history. If George Soros is saying we should protect Ukraine, the first thing you should be thinking is, why in the world would I do something that is in the best interest of somebody who is literally in the business of destabilizing nations for profit and has a track record of doing literally everything wrong when it comes to geopolitics? George Soros is literally the deep state. He is one of the richest players in the deep state game with the, long, the largest pockets and the longest track record of, of bloodshed. And yet when he sends this tweet, it doesn't make you question just a little bit if maybe you should question the incentivizing of this push towards helping Ukraine against Putin. It's an interesting question to ask. Now, this also said that George, Foros, George Soros funds nonprofits in the United States that advocate to defund the police and donates to prosecutors that release criminals from jail. Crime is through the roof and our borders are flooded. He openly admits to funding multiple nonprofits in Ukraine. Just imagine what his involvement has caused in the country without the protections of a U.S. Constitution. Hmm. So it also says that the U.S. Embassy, this was in 2019, an article by The Hill, U.S. Embassy pressed Ukraine to drop probe of George Soros Group during 2016 election. So the embassy of the United States probed or pressed the Ukrainian government and this man who they pushed into power to drop any probe into George Soros and to stop looking into his, his business dealings in 2000, during the six, 2016 election. Quid pro quo, if I've ever heard of it. Now, I think it's important that we get a little bit into what's going on and what is happening from the side of Putin. So let's go ahead and let's move over to the original conversation or to the original writing by Vladimir Putin. And here it is. So this is on Bloomberg. Always trustful. <laughs> but they're the only ones, very few of people had this actual transcript out for us. So it's on Bloomberg. Um, just go ahead and look up full transcript, Vladimir Putin televised address to Russia. Okay, and I'll read this in parts. But I think it's important to not only understand the sentiment, but the verbiage and words that he used, because they're very insightful, and they're very much so directed at the United States. And to me, this is very concerning, because obviously, we're American citizens, for the most part, there's people who listen across the world to this, which is so cool. But a, a vast majority of the people that listen to this podcast are from the United States. 
And, and there's nobody covering the fact that Vladimir Putin is sitting here during a time of war and shaking his spear, not at the country he's at war with, but shaking his spear at the United States and seemingly is pointing his target at us in, in his words here and, and could mean that he will point literal targets at us in the, in the future. And so this is truly concerning to me. So so stick along with me here. I'll try and skim through this if we if we catch a part that is not super engaging or doesn't have a lot of meat to it. But almost everything that he says in this fairly long um, speech here is important. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and start that. And I, I'll stop for commentary um, and, and we'll talk about some of these things. But, but also I do want to get through it. So we'll kind of go through this pr pretty quickly here. It says, um, and this is from President Vladimir Putin to his citizens of Russia. He says, friends, this was on February 24th. I consider it necessary today to speak again about the tragic events in Donbass and the key aspects of ensuring the security of Russia. I will begin with what I said in my address in February 21st of 2022. I spoke about our biggest concerns and worries and about the fundamental threats which our irresponsible Western politicians created for Russia consistently, rudely, and unceremoniously from year to year. I am referring to the eastward expansion of NATO, which is moving its military infrastructure ever closer to the Russian border. It is fact that over the last 30 years, we have been patiently trying to come to an agreement with the leading NATO countries regarding the principles of equal and indivisible security in Europe. In response to our proposals, we invariably faced either cynical deception and lies or attempts at pressure and blackmail while the North Atlantic Alliance continued to expand despite our protests and concerns. Its military machine is moving, and as I said, is approaching our very border. And again, that speaks about what Biden was talking about, where they're looking to either have Ukraine become a part of NATO, or at the very least, establish weaponry along the border. Why is this happening, Putin said? Where did this insolent manner of talking down from the height of their exceptionalism, infallibility, and all permissiveness come from? What is the explanation for this contemptuousness? and disdainful attitude to our interests and absolutely legitimate demands. The answer is simple. Everything is clear and obvious. In the late 1980s, the Soviet Union grew weaker and subsequently broke apart. That experience should serve as a good lesson for us, because it has shown us that the paralysis of power and will is the first step towards complete degradation and oblivion. We lost confidence for only a moment, but it was enough to disrupt the balance of forces for the world. As a result, the old treaties and agreements are no longer effective, and treaties and requests do not help. Anything that does not suit the dominant state, the powers that be, is denounced as archaic, obsolete, and useless. At the same time, everything it regards as useful is presented as the ultimate power and forced on others regardless of the cost, abusively, and by any means available. Those who refuse to comply are subjected to strong arm tactics. What I am saying now does not concern only Russia, and Russia is not the only country that is worried about this. This has to do with the entire system of international relations, and sometimes even U.S. allies. The collapse of the Soviet Union led to a redivision of the world and the norms of international law that developed by the time. And the important most of them, the fundamental norms that were adopted following World War II and largely formalized its outcome came in the way of those who declared themselves the winners of the Cold War. So, once he mentioned, and sometimes even U.S. allies, twice he mentioned, 
the winners of the Cold War. Yet to mention Ukraine. Of course, practice, Putin said, international relations and the rules regulating them had to take into account the changes that took place in the world and the balance of forces. However, this should have been done professionally, smoothly, patiently, and with due regard and respect for the interest of all states and one owns responsibility. Instead, we saw a state of euphoria created by the feeling of absolute superiority, a kind of modern absolutism coupled with the low cultural standards and arrogance of those who formulated and pushed through decisions that suited only themselves. The situation took a different turn. There are many examples of this. First, a bloody military operation was waged against, against Belgrade. Without the security or UN Security Council sanctioned, but with combat aircraft and missiles used in the heart of Europe. The bombing of peaceful cities and vital infrastructure went on for several weeks. I have to recall these facts because some Western colleagues prefer to forget them. And when mentioned the event, they prefer to avoid speaking about international law, instead emphasizing the circumstances which they interpret as they think necessary. Then came Iraq, Libya, and Syria. The illegal use of military power against Libya and the distortion of all the UN Security Council decisions on Libya ruined the state, created a large seat of international terrorism, and pushed the country towards a humanitarian catastrophe into the vortex of a civil war, which has continued there for years. The tragedy which was created for hundreds of thousands and even millions of people, not only in Libya, but in the whole region, has led to large-scale exodus from the Middle East and North Africa to Europe. Which is true. I mean, there's how many refugees sitting in, in Europe right now. It's crazy, right? So a similar fate has been prepared for Syria. The combat operations conducted by the Western coalition in the country without the Syrian government's approval or UN Council's sanction can only be defined as aggression and intervention. So, goes on to say, and we'll kind of skip through some of these here, because I think there's some of these that are more important than others. Talks about, I've only mentioned the most glaring, but far from only examples of disregard for international law. And he, he mentions it here, so I'll start at the beginning of that paragraph. Overall, it appears that nearly everywhere in many regions, the world where the United States brought its law and order, this created bloody, non-healing wounds and the curse of international terrorism and extremism. I've only mentioned the most glaring, but far from only examples of disregard for international law. And I'll go back even one more paragraph that we jumped over, which talks again, so that's three times about the United States, with no mention of Ukraine. It says, but for example, the stands apart from above the other events was the invasion of Iraq without any legal grounds. They used the pretext of allegedly reliable information available in the United States about the presence of weapons and mass destruction in Iraq. To prove that allegation, the U.S. Secretary of State held up a vial with white power publicly for the whole world to see, assuring the international community that there was a chemical warfare agent created in Iraq. It later turned out that all of it was a fake and a sham, and that Iraq did not have any chemical weapons. Incredible and shocking, but true. We witnessed lies made by the highest state level and voiced from the high UN rostrum. As a result, we see a tremendous loss in life, damage, destruction, and a colossal upsurge in terrorism. Four times he's mentioned the United States. This array includes promises not to expand NATO eastward, even by an inch. To reiterate, they have deceived us. Or to put it simply, they have played us, they being in the United States. Sure, one often hears that politics is a dirty business. It could be, but it shouldn't be as dirty as it is now, not to such an extent. 
This type of con artist behavior is contrary, contrary not only to the principles of international relations, but also and above all to the generally accepted norms of morality and ethics. Where is justice and truth here? Just lies and hypocrisy all around, Putin said. Incidentally, U.S. politicians, five times he's mentioned the U.S. Political scientists and journals write and say that a variable empire of lies has been created inside of the United States in recent years. It is hard to disagree with this. It really is so. But one should not be modest about it. The United States is still a great country and a system-forming power. All its satellites, not only humbly and obedient, say yes, to imperate it at the slightest pretext, but also imitate its behavior and enthusiastically accept the rules it is offering them, satellites being the smaller countries that follow our lead of the Western culture. Therefore, one can say with good reason and confidence that the whole so-called Western bloc formed by the United States, in its own image and likeness, is in its entirety the very same empire of lies. Again, six times he's mentioning the United States without mentioning Ukraine. As for our country, after the disintegration of the USSR, given the entire unprecedented openness of the new modern Russia, it is readiness to work honestly with the United States and other Western partners. It is practically unilateral disarmament. They immediately tried to put the final squeeze on us, finish us off, and utterly destroy us, so mentioning the United States six times. This is how it was in the 1990s and the early 2000s when the so-called collective West was actively supporting separatism and gangs of mercenaries in southern Russia. What victims, what losses we had to sustain, and what trials we had to go through at the time before we broke the back of international terrorism in the caucus. We remember this and we will never forget. Properly speaking, the attempts to use in their own interests never the attempts to use in their own interests never ceased until quite recently. They sought to destroy our traditional values and force on us their false values, which would erode us, our people from within. The attitudes they have aggressively imposed on their countries, attitudes that are directly leading to degradation and degeneration, because they are contrary to human nature, Putin said. This is not going to happen. No one has ever succeeded in doing this, nor will they succeed now. So Vladimir Putin, what do you think Vladimir Putin's talking about when he talks about the degradation and degeneration of the moral values that are being imposed in, on the own people that are contrary to human nature? What do you think those things could be? Could it be the fundamental woke belief system that has to do with critical race theory? Could it be the fundamental woke theory that has to do with a genderless society where a six foot three man gets to whoop the ass of an entire Ivy League generation because he's has the shoulders of a six foot three man and can swim as a result of it? Like literally lap almost every woman that was in the pool with him and in the, in the degradation of, of what masculinity and femininity is and the roles that they play within a societal household. So, and he says, this is not going to happen. No one has ever succeeded in doing this, nor will they succeed now. So what moral values do you think the West is pushing or has been pushing as of recently across the world that Putin will not accept? Interesting. Putin goes on to say that despite all of that, in December 2021, we made yet another attempt to reach agreement with the United States seven times. It's mentioned in the United States and its allies on the principles of European security and NATO's non-expansion. 
Our efforts were in vain. The United States, eight times, has not changed its position. It does not believe it's necessary to agree with Russia on a matter that is critical for us. The United States, nine times, is pursuing its own objectives while neglecting its own interest, our interests. Of course, the situation begs the question, what next? What are we to expect? If history is any guide, we know that in 1940 and early 1941, the Soviet Union went to great lengths to prevent war, or at least delay its outbreak. To this end, the USSR sought not only to provoke in the potential aggressor until the very end by refraining or postponing the most urgent and obvious preparations it had to make to defend itself from an imminent attack, when it finally acted, it was too late. As a result, the country was not prepared to counter the invasion by Nazi Germany, which attached our, attacked our motherland in June 22nd of 1941 without declaring war. The country stopped the enemy and went on to defeat it, but this came at a tremendous cost. The attempt to appease the aggressor ahead of the Great Patriotic War provoked to be a, proved to be a, a big mistake, which is at a high cost for our people. We will not miss, make this mistake a second time. We have no right to do so. Those who aspire to global dominance have publicly designated Russia as their enemy. They did so with impunity. Make no mistake. They had no reason to act this way. It is true that they have considerable financial, scientific, technological, and military capabilities. We are aware of this and have an objective view of the economy threat, economic threats we have been hearing, just as our ability to counter this brash and never-ending blackmail. Let me reiterate, we have no illusions in this regard and are extremely realistic in our assessment. As for military affairs, even the dissolution of the USSR and losing considerable part of its capabilities, today's Russia remains one of the most powerful nuclear states. So he's mentioned the United States nine times. And then following mentioning the United States nine times, mentions how they have one of the most powerful nuclear states. Moreover, it has a certain advantage in certain several cutting-edge weapons. In this context, there would be no doubt for anyone that a potential, any potential aggressor will face defeat and ominous consequences should it directly attack our country. Basically, just said that he would wage nuclear war on any country, and not only any country, but probably the country that was mentioned nine times prior to this point when there were zero other countries mentioned besides Germany one time. He's mentioning nuclear war. And not a single time has he mentioned Ukraine. Not a single time in this entire speech has he mentioned Ukraine. You know, the one he's sending military vehicles into and helicopters over and sending missiles down, raining down on their hospitals. Not a single time did he mention them. And nine times he mentioned the United States. He mentioned our culture. He mentioned our deep state political ties. He mentioned our money grabs. He mentioned the fact that we want to take over the world, allegedly. He mentioned our cultural values that are seeping into the other countries that he will not, no longer accept. And then he mentioned the fact that they are one of the most powerful nuclear countries in the world. And has still yet to mention Ukraine once. And nobody is talking about this. Nobody. Nobody's talking about the fact that Russian President Vladimir Putin went off for seemingly 25 minutes about how the United States is their enemy is the singular enemy almost in this case, besides generally mentioning the UN and mentioning the history with Germany. And then mentions their nuclear power. Highly, highly concerning to me. And again, 
everybody's acting like this is a war with Ukraine. This is not a war with Ukraine. This is a war with the United States and the UN by proxy fighting over Ukraine. And we're trying to act like we're not in on it. And that it's just Russia trying to take over the border and, and, and this land grab. And that's not it at all. It's a war against the push by the UN and the push by the United States over and by proxy a war in Ukraine that is being funded with $600 million of your tax money to go shed the blood of Ukrainian citizens against this Russian war effort. And nine times to this point, he's mentioned the United States. And zero times he's mentioned Ukraine. And then mentioned again his nuclear power. Goes on to say any further expansion of the North Atlantic Alliance's infrastructure or any ongoing efforts to gain military foothold on the Ukrainian territory are unacceptable for us. Of course, the question is not about NATO itself. It merely serves as a tool for U.S. foreign policy. Ten times. The problem is that in territories adjacent to Russia, which I have to note is our historical land, a hostile anti-Russia is taking shape, fully controlled from the outside. It is doing everything to attract NATO armed forces and obtain cutting-edge weaponry. I'm going to read that sentence for you again, because I don't think very many people understand how bad this is. He says, this is unacceptable for us, Vladimir Putin says. Of course, the question is not about NATO itself. NATO merely serves as a tool for the United States foreign policy. Ten times he mentions the United States. And then says that the United States is basically funding Ukraine. And giving them their money, which they just did. They gave us $600 million. Here's 11 times for you. For the United States and its allies. It is a policy of containing Russia with obvious geopolitical dividends. For our country, it is a matter of life and death. A matter of historical future as a nation. This is not an exaggeration. This is a fact. It is not only a very real threat to our interests, but the very existence of our state and to its sovereignty. It is the red line which we have spoken about on numerous occasions, and they have crossed it, they being the United States. This brings me to the situation in Donbass. We can see that the forces that staged the coup in Ukraine in 2014 have seized power are keeping it with the help of ornamental election procedures and have abandoned the path of a peaceful conflict settlement. For eight years, for eight endless years, we have been doing everything possible to settle the situation by peaceful political means. Everything was in vain. As I said in the previous address, you cannot look at compassion without compassion at what is happening there. It has become impossible to tolerate it. We had to stop that atrocity, that genocide, of the millions of people who live there and who pinned their hopes on Russia, on all of us. It is their aspirations, the feeling of pain of these people, that were the main motivating force behind our decision to recognize the independence of Donbass's People's Republic. I would like to additionally emphasize the following. Focused on their own goals, the leading NATO countries are supporting the far-right nationalists and neo-Nazis in Ukraine, those who will never forgive the people of Crimea and Sevastopol for freely making a choice to reunite with Russia. This was undoubtedly try to bring war to Crimea, just as they have done to Donbass, to kill innocent people, just as the members of the punitive units of Ukraine, nationalistic, and Hitler's accomplices during the Great Patriotic War. They have also openly laid claim to several other Russian regions. 
talks about Ukraine in Ukraine's push to acquire nuclear weapons, which they says we will not let happen. It also goes on to say, talk about again, the 2014 overthrow and trying to create a reliable shield to prevent terrorists from Syria from penetrating Russia. And then goes on to talk about in this context, in accordance with Article 51 of the UN Charter, with permission of Russia's Federation Council and in execution with the treaties of friendship and mutual assistance of the Donetsk people's republic and the Lugansk people's republic, ratified by the Federal Assembly of, Federal, of February 22, I made a decision to carry out special military operations. So, all very, very quite concerning. And if you want to go ahead and read the rest of that, there's only a few uh, paragraphs left here. And you can do so again at the Bloomberg, directly on Bloomberg uh, website under full transcript, Vladimir Putin televised address. So at the very end of this, he goes on to say, I reiterate, we are acting to defend ourselves from the threats that created from us, that were created for us and from a worsened peril than what is happening now. I'm asking you, however hard this may be to understand this and to work together with us. So as to turn this tragic page as soon as possible and to move forward together without allowing people to interfere in our, interfere in our affairs and our relations by developing them independently and to create favorable conditions for overcoming these problems and to strengthen us from what is a single hold and despite the existence of our state borders. So when you go back and you watch Biden's conversation about this speech, the only thing that he mentions is the conspiracy theories around neo-Nazis in Ukraine. That's literally the only thing that he says is try to instill doubt in what he says and doesn't mention the fact that Putin basically said everything but the fact that he's at a cold war again with the United States and a war by proxy in Ukraine with the United States and the UN and NATO. That's what he said. And nobody's talking about this. No mainstream media. I'm not even seeing it on Instagram. How many people have seen this full speech? Because 11 times, 11 times Putin mentioned the United States and zero times he mentioned the, the, the fact that the Ukraine was actually its problem in and of itself, besides the small mention of the neo-Nazi party that was put into power by the Obama administration. So, and again, I'm not, I, it's so early now once I've realized how much propaganda and how much wrongful information is being spread. And the propaganda is the right word because it's all in, in, a, in, a, in a real focus to, to get this war rally cry from the United States so that eventually we can send in our troops. And from what I'm seeing on my page with 40% of people disagreeing with that narrative, they're going to have a really hard time justifying it to the American people once this information gets out. And what's that going to mean? If this Cold War and this war by proxy in Ukraine gets even more squirrely and we end up sending U.S. troops there. <clears throat> what does that mean for us? And the word that's being thrown a lot, around a lot right now. And not frivolously, very intentional in its usage, is World War III. You heard that right. How many people died? How many people will die? For the globalist elites who are trying to use Ukraine 
as a proxy money laundering state to put their children at the head tables of these organizations so they can fund their money through this war, the $600 million that Joe Biden sent over to Ukraine is now being siphoned off to the government boards that their own children sit on. Quid pro quo. And for what are our our children, are our sons, going to go over to Ukraine and shed blood? For what? So George Soros can continue money laundering. So Joe Biden and Hunter Biden can remain on their board seats in Burisma, and 10% goes back to the big guy. Right? What is what what is the true story behind this? And now I'm not saying that what Putin say you get to take what Putin says here at face value either. Right? Because all they want they're they're using historical factual accounts is what Putin's doing here to instill doubt in the United States. And then what are what we're saying. But there seems to be a lot that's aligning with what we are seeing here from the COVID situation. That our country has been overrun by oligarchs by by these pol- these elite elitists who are worth billions and billions and billions who own companies like BlackRock who work for the World Economic Forum or a part of the Young Global Leaders Association or foundation or whatever those are the ones that are calling the shots why do you think George Soros feels a right to talk about politics in his Twitter because he knows the second he sends out his support for Ukraine what that does to all the politicians that he lined the pockets of So again, where do we go from here? We keep asking questions. We keep looking for answers. But above all, we keep questioning everything that they're telling us, whether it's coming from the mouth of a mainstream media, whether it's coming from the mouth of Joe Biden, whose son literally works for these companies that are being paid off during this war, or we question the motivations of Vladimir Putin. Time will tell who's in the right and who's in the wrong. And maybe again, like some people are telling me, it's more complicated than that. And I get that. But what is happening through all of this, through this big warmongering political game for these elitists, is they're sending the poor, they're sending your sons, they're sending your daughters to war, potentially, in Ukraine, to die on behalf of people like George Soros, and people like Klaus Schott, and people like the Rothschilds family, and the World Economic Forum, those are the people that we're going to be sending our children to Ukraine to fight for their money laundering state. And I know I'm not having any part of that, and neither are my children. So, again, where do we go from here? Educate the public. Educate yourself. Ask the questions. Don't just take this mainstream media narrative at face value. And this means that I'm, in this sense, kind of going against what 60% of the people on my page said in that, you know, I don't just wholeheartedly buy the belief that Putin's in the wrong here and that the UN, NATO, the United States, and George Soros are in the right. How do you buy that narrative, right? So... I'm sorry if this left you with more questions than answers, but I think that's the point, 
is ask the questions and don't just take the answers at face value. Because if we've learned anything over the last two years, it's that basically everybody who tells you they have the answer is full of shit, especially if they have the, the, the deepest pockets to line the, the, the pockets of those in power to push their political narratives and, and their destabilization, their depopulation beliefs on the world. So, I hope that brings some clarity, <laughs> and, and it, it probably might have even murky the, the waters for you even more than you thought um, the situation was. So, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. I want to know why you think these things are going on. And then to finish this off, I'll read through some of the questions that came up here. Um, some of the belief systems of the people who did question this narrative. So, some things that were said by people on this one where I, I mentioned that poll where I said, this is super surprising to me. It's almost 40% of this community is questioning the mainstream narrative and that piques my interest. So again, 338 people voted for yes and 542 people voted for no. People said, people don't like conflict even though violence is an extremely useful tool. People also said, how can you believe anything we see anymore? Which is very true. At this point, I want to side with the opposite of Trudeau, Biden, Harris, and the left, which seems like a very understandable point of view at this point with everything when they've showed their ass to us over the last couple of years. Um, somebody said, he is justified. If Biden's finger is in it, it's rotten. Well, yes and no. <laughs> it's like we can't take everything that, you know, that everybody says. And, and, and again, maybe that's not true either. Maybe we should look at it that way. But we show you at least the very least question. Somebody uh, corrected my grammar. They said it's peak, not peak. P-I-Q-U-E. If you know that, you're a sociopath. Go fuck yourself. Um, thank you for your grammar cor uh, correction. <laughs> it says if George Soros is on Ukraine's side, something is fishy. Somebody also said that Biden is cleaning out um, or Putin is cleaning out Biden's DS thugs. Do your back channels research. Somebody else said, I don't know. Proof is there uh, Proof is there to show the president of Ukraine is in a Soros plant. So two evils fighting is always questionable. Somebody said, they're both at fault. Any civilian casualty will be on Putin and Zelensky for both. So, interesting, right? There's a lot, a lot of mixed emotions and mixed beliefs on this. And I, I think that, you know, somebody else said, like, this is the real deep, you know, almost like uh, deep, 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 uh, you know, dark web Reddit thread-ness that you can get into, which is the fact that I haven't found any evidence for this. And if you do have evidence for this, send it to me, um, that there was six individual... Uh, nuclear plants and bio, or, or I'm sorry, bio weaponry, biochemical weaponry plants that were bombed in the first days leading up to this. There was also whispers that there was bombings on underground tracks used for trafficking. Hmm. Those are interesting theories. So again, question the narrative. Question everything that comes out, right? And I'm not telling you I have the answer, but I'm telling you I have a lot of damn questions off of this because a lot of this seems super weird, super theatrical and fishy. So do your own research because I, I don't know what to make of this. And if I post something that ends up being propaganda, 
I'm sorry. Let me know. Show me the evidence and I'll take it down. Or maybe I'll just update people and tell them it's propaganda because that's interesting to know too. So um, thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of this and I hope it was just more than questions, although the questions are even more important sometimes than the answers. So thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the revolution. See you guys next week.